Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. All right, I'm very excited today to introduce Kluid Probert from White Hat, uh, talking today at the Business System Summit. And the process that we'll be going through is the five-step process to getting a meeting, the perfect lead nurture sequence, which turns browsers into hot prospects. So Kluid is the CEO and founder of the White Hat company, has many years of international experience in both the technological and marketing side of the industry. His academic background is in the areas of biotech, which is molecular uh, genetics and computer science. Having been based in New York and now London, he's worked with the competitive markets of hedge funds and investment banks. As an entrepreneur, has built and developed several different companies. In addition to commitments to the White Hat Inbound Agency, Kluid is also heavily focused on delivering practical advice to businesses and entrepreneurs. A mentor to postgraduate students and teaches marketing as a guest lecturer at UCL. In spare time, Kluid is also a highly respected international photographer, working with and supporting animal charities at home and abroad as a patron of Hope for Apes and the, the Battersea Cats and Dogs Home and the Born Free Foundation has worked alongside Brian May and Sir David Attenborough and Virginia McKenna. This that's true. That's fantastic. That's very exciting. Uh, Sir David Attenborough is definitely one of my idols among many of the other things you're doing there, but that, that's awesome. Absolutely. It was a, a privilege to be able to do that work. We love to give back to the charity, the charity sector. We do a lot of work uh, for them whenever we can. It takes a lot of time, but, but we do what we can. Yeah, beautiful. I'm sure, you know, just segueing in with the systems thing, I'm sure in some way yes. systems help to give you some time and a bit of a process about how to, to, to get what you need to get done. So I believe you're, you're a, uh, a user of System Hub as well. Absolutely. We were one of the first users of Systems Hub. It's something we've, systems themselves were something that we've built into our own business from day one. Big follower of Michael Gerber and the mm. E-Myth methodology. So when I discovered that David had built something to effectively hold and implement business systems, then I was all over it. It was, it was just obvious to me that, that this, is, this is what we needed to use yeah, absolutely. Let us know a little bit about the, uh, the process that we'll be going to, through today. We're going to be talking about sales. One of the things that my company does, we're, we're a digital marketing agency mm -hmm. focused on, on inbound marketing, which is all really about a positive approach to marketing as opposed to the negative outbound methodologies that people have used in the past, the sort of interruptive cold calling, print advertising, spam emails, all those type of things that people hate. Inbound is all about giving a positive experience and building authority so that people want to talk to you. And if you translate that into the sales process, it can be a little difficult because sales is often seen as interruptive. So what we've put together is an inbound sales method. The idea is that you're supposed to be outreaching in a positive way. You're supposed to look for touch points where you can help the potential client as opposed to talking about yourself and your business and your, your services or your products. Mm. In order to do that, we've, we've obviously 
optimized it because it needs to be followed in a consistent way. Sales, like anything else, can only scale when you've got systems. Otherwise, you're reliant on the skills of your best people. And if those people leave, then their skills leave with them. So if you systemize it, you can grow your business by training and bringing on others. That's right. Yeah. Probably a good idea for me to actually walk through the process. If I can um, share my screen with you, I, I can actually just uh, talk you through it. It's, it's not hard. It's not very long, but it's, it's something that I think many salespeople would find valuable. Would, would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, as we were saying earlier, um, just off camera before, uh, mm. having a short process, I think, is fantastic. I think, you know, the longer, yes. the more complicated the process is, it's not beneficial. It's Absolutely. like, what can we take away from this complicated process in order to simplify and get still get the result that we want? Yes. No, that, that's absolutely true. And primarily because long, complicated processes don't get followed. Mm, that's um, right. Yeah. So, so you need to keep it simple. Um, there is some variation in here that, that's different business to business, but I will I've tried to make this particular process reasonably generic and everybody can then fine tune it for themselves. So yeah, let perfect. Me share Sounds my great. screen. This is the sales prospecting system, mm -hmm. which is a grand, uh, grand name for, for what we're going to go through. <laughs> um, so the best way to, to start really is, is what's the problem that this system actually covers. And it's something that, many salespeople are going to be familiar with is that businesses often have a lead generation system in place of some form or another. They have ways of generating leads. And this, this particular process doesn't address that. It, it deals with what happens after the lead comes in. Specifically, we do a lot of work on, on LinkedIn, for example, or we attend business networking sessions, chambers of commerce, BNI, that type of thing, where you tend to meet people either digitally or in person in a networking environment. So you might have a card, you might have a contact name, an email address, a phone number, but nothing much more than that. The problem that, that happens is, is that it all sounds, sounds great, sounds wonderful, but when you reach out to those people, they're either not at their desk they don't reply to your emails and the majority of salespeople will leave a message, will send an email and they will move on mm. to the next prospect. And statistically it's been shown that that is a very poor way of generating business. You have to be consistent and you have to be persistent in following up. You need multiple touch points. So if they don't answer the phone, you have to leave a very clear message. I've listened to some awful voicemail messages that go on for minutes sometimes without <laughs> the person actually getting to the point. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things that we found that actually helps us a lot is just to write down the message that you're going to be leaving because mm. you can tend to ramble. I'm, I, I'm worse than anybody else, right? I, I can start talking and then just never stop. And then you forget to mention your name or your company or your email. And by that time, you know, the person on the other end has probably lost the will to live. <laughs> so, so just putting a process in place for, for voicemail is, is, is useful. But then you need to follow up with a, uh, an email to say that you've called. You then need, and this is important, you need to leave a gap 
between your next touch point. You need to give the person, the prospect at the other end, the opportunity to read what you've said, to hear what you've said, to maybe research you a little bit, to look at your own LinkedIn profile, your own website. They have busy days, so they're not going to call you straight back. But if they don't, you need to follow up again. Same process, voicemail, get in touch. If that doesn't work, send an email that you've tried. Again, leave a gap. And finally, you you do the same thing, but you have what's called a breakup email where you, you say, look, I've tried, tried and failed, but here are my contact details. So that's an overview of, of what we're going to go through. But the actual next couple of slides are the emails that I, that I use or, or generic ones that, that can be used in place. So I just thought that would be useful. If, um, if, if there's one thing that sort of comes out of this is that you don't want to be leaving messages that are all about yourself or all about your products or services that you're trying to sell. Nobody wants to be sold to. Lots of people have problems and issues with their, their lives and their businesses that they need solving. So they need help. And those are the things that you should address rather than the wonders of your latest piece of software or your latest service. That's right. That would be the, the overarching sort of element to, to what we call inbound sales. So that's the summary of this. How do you reach prospects? How do you reach out to prospects for the first time? Um, templates are good, and templates are the, the heart of a sort of uh, sales system, but they should be soft enough to be relevant and personal to the person you're reaching out to. So we, um, we always alternate with emails with calls. As I said, one touch point is never enough, and we've got some technology in place to do this. We use a system called software platform called HubSpot, which allows us to do this. But you don't need to use HubSpot to do this. You can just use your regular email system. You can use tasks. But the, the, the point of, of HubSpot, one of the things that it gives us is it gives us the timing. So if we send out an email, it will remind us two days later, for example, to, to send a voice message. And after that, it'll send an email X number of days later. Right. Right. So here's... Here's the first email. So this is the, the, I normally start with an email. Variable, some people prefer to just call up straight away if they're trying to get in touch with somebody. I like to send an email first because if they open it, then when I eventually pick up the phone, it's a more familiar interaction. They've mm. had some kind of reminder who you are and they're sort of expecting a call. So it's, it's, it's slightly easier conversation. So this is a system where we've, we've left some blanks here because you can't send the same email to the same person. If you do it spam, it, it, it's really not valuable to them and, and you're not going to get a good response rate. So the caveat to this is that you have to do your research. You can't just pick up the phone, call somebody you met to the business networking group and say, you know, hi, Simon. I noticed that we're in the same industry. Let's have a talk. You, you've got to provide some value for why you're actually talking. Mm. So I actually say that, right? I say, look, hi, Simon. When I reach out, you know, I always try and find a reason. I'm open about that. You know, the reason needs to be timely and helpful based on research I've done. And this is why I think White Hat can help your company. Yeah, and I'll maybe talk about some research uh, I've done. Maybe I've looked at their website. Maybe I've looked at their social media profile and I've identified two or three areas where I think they could um, see some improvement. Maybe some, what's really useful and people really respond to this 
is if you talk about things that others within their industry have had success with or problems that others within their industry have had and, and have solved. Right. And there was some statistics that were thrown around um, the other day, big American study. I, I can't remember actually who did it. It might have been HubSpot. It might not have been. But they, they looked at the um, people who were receiving these emails and, and receiving these calls. And you'd think that most businesses generally don't want to receive calls from salespeople who are trying to sell them something. But it's not quite true because in the end of the day, people want help with business problems. And the overriding conclusion that, that they came back with was that they're happy to take a call from somebody as long as that person had at least spent a small amount of time researching them and their business. And about 98% of salespeople who make a call had not done any kind of research at all. There's a, a first point for you, right? You can be completely ahead of all of your competition by just spending five or 10 minutes whatever product or service that you're providing, do some background checks on the person you're calling so, so that you know specifically what their problems are and, what, and how you can potentially help them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is, um, as you're saying, this is something that can be done in just a couple of minutes. And just yes. that statistic of, you know, being ahead of 98% of other salespeople, Spending that extra five minutes can just help you stand out so much more and be memorable and leading with value as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and this is one of the things, again, good sales is all about statistics and mm. it's about consistency. If you can do this again and again, then your sales numbers are going to improve. There's another useful little tip here in this, in this email that we found to be very effective. Whenever you do call somebody or you send them an email, it's unlikely that they are going to be in a in exactly the the right not frame of mind but they're not necessarily going to have the right time at the moment to talk to you it's much more convenient if you can allow them to set the timing for any kind of meeting uh, or call so we would always put a meeting link in the email and there's several out them out, out there calendar of the and, and various other ones yeah that allow the client to actually have a view into your own calendar and they can make a booking. So that's just really convenient and you can essentially show a window into your calendar. And we found that to be very effective. It's more convenient for the for the prospect and that's mm. kind of what this is all about. Yeah. And it, it does help to avoid that back and forth that can happen yeah. so very frequently. But actually I didn't I didn't really think about that, that it uh that it, it may not be the right time to for the um the prospect to to communicate yeah. and, and have a chat. So on the one hand, allowing them to find a time that works for them. But then on the other hand, they're committing in some way, you know, to a lot of times sales are, are these micro commitments that your prospect has to, to take them on yes. a journey towards the close. And this micro commitment of saying, yes, in some ways, booking a calendar uh, um, conversation appointment is about saying, yes, I would like to start the conversation about getting some help on this. That's exactly right. And, and also it's another touch point. It's, a, it's mm. another backward and forward interaction between you and the, and, the, and the prospect, which reinforces the relationship, which is really important in the early stages. Mm. When they really don't know you, they don't trust you, they, you know, they don't know anything about you. These, like you say, these, these, these multiple touch points, these, these multiple commitments do add up. Definitely, this is, this is a good way to start. Now, what happens is 
you need to follow this up. You sent the email, nothing's happened. So X number of days later, I would call and leave a voicemail. There's a couple of voicemails in this in this sequence, and this is the first one. So you want to put some context in it. So you say, you know, hi, Simon, we're connected through LinkedIn. In this case, I wanted to connect in person and see if I could be of any help. We've some specific experience in helping people within with marketing directors in the biotechnology industry, uh, increasing their leads, customer acquisition rates, and, and client engagement. Please give me a call. This is mm. from White Hat. My number is such and such. There's a whole load of statistics around where you should say your name and, and the number. Generally speaking, we find that putting it at the end is a good thing. If you put it at the beginning, people tend to forget and they don't want to go back and, and listen to it again. If you just put it at the end, it's, it seems to be stronger. Mm, and it's short yep. and sweet. There's not a hit. There's not a hit. You don't ramble on about all the different things that you could possibly do. Uh, you need to keep it to keep it short. Yeah. And so very simple, simple message. And that's followed up again by by the second email. You know, hi Simon, I wrote to you two, three days ago about some research I've done on your company. Me, and that leads me to think we can help you improve. Um, and then you mentioned the ideas that you've discussed with them. Those reasons didn't get a response, so I thought I'd dig further. And then you actually pull out another couple of things that you've gone off and done some more research for. So you're adding value all the time. Mm. Most people do not provide any value, don't provide any help without actually, you know, some feedback from the client. But this is this is giving without any expectation of, of receiving immediate um, response. Again, you've put a, a link to the calendar. And then, so if it's intriguing or interesting, book a quick exploratory call with me. And again, a link to the calendar. One of the things I've also seen is you can put a link to maybe a summary of what that exploratory call is going to be about, because they might be a bit nervous or might have no idea what, you know, what to expect. So some people have built like mini landing pages where they have maybe a photograph of themselves and, and the summary of, of the kind of work that they've done, maybe links to case studies. Like this. So if they actually want to go off and do some research on you before committing to anything, then you could put a link into that. And again, I promise not to waste your time. It's a genuine outreach. You've done some research. This isn't spam. This isn't just a, the same email that's going out to a thousand people. You actually mm. have to put some work behind these things, right? And then the final email and voicemail are the breakup mails. And, and these are the ones, interestingly enough, that get the largest response rates. So what we're saying here is we've tried to contact you, but you really don't want to talk to us. So we're not going to contact you anymore. Goodbye. But we're going to be polite about it. And we're going to give them an opportunity to get back. Right. So Simon, I've contacted you a couple of times since we connected via LinkedIn, and I don't think I've received a reply. I'm going to send a follow-up email if you'd like to get in touch. If I don't hear from you, I'm going to assume that you don't need our help any further at this stage and hope that you found the information I sent over to be useful. This is clear from White House. You know, um, so this is a voicemail, and you follow it up with a similar email. It's not impolite. It's not aggressive. It's not, you know, you should have got back to me. There's no expectation that the client or the prospect has any reason to get back to you. They may be busy. They might have a whole load of stuff going on in their lives. But you've tried uh, and you, you've left a message. What actually happens, and I'll show you the, the email, the final email, should I stay or should I go, uh, which is similar. So 
I don't want to you know, give up on you without getting a yes or no, please hit reply, type one of the following three numbers into your response and I'll take it from there. And these are the reasons that people generally don't reply to, to outreach. Firstly, there's no interest. Like mm. Whatever it is you're trying to, that you think you can help them with, they don't think you can help them. So you haven't provided enough value. You haven't shown enough value. Yeah. And therefore, they're not going to spend their time with you. And that's fine. You know, that's, that's your failure of, of not spotting or drilling down into enough. The second one is, yeah, I do want to talk, but I've just been busy, right? I've been, life gets in the way. So let's schedule a time. And this actually is quite common. You get about a 40% response rate to this because people have picked up on the value, but they've just put it to one side and said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to him later. But if they get an email saying, I'm not going to call you later and I'm not going to send you any more emails. They think you're going to go away. Mm. So this is the one that actually elicits a response. And then the third one is, is timing isn't right, but I am interested. So yeah, I've, I've seen the value that you've provided, but we're just too busy with other projects, other stuff. It's not a priority, yep. but it might be in the future. And that's really useful because you can then mark them down in your calendar to call them in a couple of months, or you can send them nurturing emails with some information about what's going on in the industry. Many, many clients come back at some point in the future, even if, like you say, they might not be in the right frame of mind to take a call today, but the business might not be in the right frame of mind to do anything with you today or this month, but in six months' time, they might be. So you need a system in place to then follow up from, from the follow-ups. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And the other thing I would say is this, that this sounds like a lot of emails and voicemails, but it's actually, it's actually the minimum that I would use. In practice, we might throw another couple of emails in as well. If we find something interesting that the client might, be, might find valuable, we might ping over an email with a link to a blog post or a, a research piece that we've found um, as well. It's multiple touch points that, that really help. And it's the salespeople that reach out once or twice and then stop that, that miss out on the opportunities here. Yeah. It's a, yeah. there is a balance, you know, obviously between being annoying and pushing the relationship too far and then not, not providing those touch points enough. So I think that when you're providing this value and you're, you're doing this research and by the sound of it, like you're, you're sending quite a few emails and, and different kinds of, of research and different kinds of value, it's yes. about finding which one is going to resonate with them and hit that point that they're like, ah, yes, they yes. now that one I resonate with, that is a pain point of mine. Maybe in the first couple of emails, you just don't quite get there. But in another value-based one, some particular report you sent through, they're like, ah, oh, I was just reading that too. That's, we were struggling with that. And that may be the part that gets them interested. Exactly. And, mm. and again, it requires real research. That's you right. You can't have you know, a generic e email sequence that gets sent out to everybody and you just hope that you know, a certain percentage are going to re reply. This isn't a marketing email system. This is a sales email system. And sales involves real people doing real work, talking to real prospects. So you actually have to – we spend – for each of these, we might spend about 20 minutes – 15, 20 minutes doing that research. We've got specific pain points that we know we can help with. So we'll, we'll go on to the website. We'll do some research. We'll, we'll use the various tools that we have to do some analysis on that company. And there's always something that you can find. 
that you can actually help them with. But it's worth doing it, right? Yeah. Um, I was going to ask uh, something yeah, about but, that, actually. Sorry, hmm. Claude. Go ahead. Um, in terms of the, I wanted to bring up, in terms of the, the process for research, like when you've got yes. a process for this, for the inbound, I would, uh, yes. I would caution to say you probably have a process for the research as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. There's a process for lead generation. There's a process for doing the research. Mm. There's a process, and you know, for what happens if they actually answer the phone. Mm. Uh, imagine that. You actually <laughs> yeah, get through it. to somebody. Um, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, there is a process for sales. Mm. We have a, essentially a three-step sales process, which involves an exploratory call. A connect call first, uh, an exploratory call, and then a, a planning and, and analysis call, each one of increasing detail and depth. But the research, yeah, the, the research, we have a number of, I mean, what we're doing essentially is, is digital marketing for these companies. Yeah. So we can, we look at their website, we look at their social media profiles, we look at industry best practice and see if it's being implemented on their site. And even in today's connected world, most sites are not doing what they should be doing. So it's generally easy to find things that, that are missing or, or where you can help. It's not hard to find areas where you can, can reach out and help. But yeah, and then, then obviously there's a whole marketing system in place, which, which generates the leads in the first place. How do you outreach to people on networking events, whether they're physical or events or whether they're LinkedIn or, and, and the systems around that as well. This is the actual, this screen that you can see in front of you is, is the actual system in action using HubSpot. Mm -hmm. As I said before, you don't need HubSpot to do this. There's, there's, you can just use Outlook and tasks and various other things. But I just thought it'd be interesting for, for people to see one way it could actually be implemented. Two of those emails are uh, an email and a task are in front of you there. So you can see that it says high contact first name. So HubSpot would insert the contact's name in there and their website address and their company name and my calendar link. So all of those things can be automated, but I have to go in and modify this for every contact that I, I add to the sequence. So it says research-driven reason one. I actually have to go in and write some stuff there. And, and I would pad this out and it would be individually tailored for that person. Mm -hmm. But you'll see afterwards, it says best regards, and then task, if no reply after three days. So the system is actually that the, the software platform, HubSpot in this case, is monitoring my emails, and it knows if I get a reply from this person. And if I do, it will stop the sequence. So, for example, if, if the guy books a meeting with me or if he emails me back and says, yeah, I'd like to talk or no, I don't want to talk, then he doesn't get any more annoying emails or voice messages from me. The system stops, which is kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And you can obviously, you can manually go in and, and, and stop it if, if, um, if you have a, a call that's not recorded. And then it, that email will be sent out and you can see if no reply after three days, then remind me. So I actually get a task set after three days, three days after this email is sent out. And I get an email myself reminding me to call this person. And it gives me the actual words I'm supposed to say. And I can go in and modify this when I set up the sequence. So this is one of the biggest things that salespeople fail on or are, are poor at is consistency. So they know they have to phone up somebody, but they might forget because they've got a long list of people that they have to phone up. 
right? So how do you keep track of them all? How do you keep them all going at the right cadence, the right rhythm? And this is one way you'll do it. It will actually send out an email three days later. It'll send you a note to call them. Two days later, it'll send out an email. Four days later, it'll send you a note to call them again. So all you need to do is follow the system. It's pre-written, pre-structured. You do need to do some work with the research and everything else. You do need to pick up the phone and call people. But it gives you a framework in which you can, can build your business. Mm. And it gives you something also that you, know, you can give to a, a relatively junior salesperson and say, look, this is how we do our business here. We'll set yeah. these up for you and away you go. And something you mentioned at the beginning was um, about uh, Michael Gerber and the EMS. And that was yes. one of the one of the points with the in terms of having a sales team, you should be able to set up your systems in a way that you can hire juniors. You don't hire people who have a have their own sales system. You can hire juniors, slot them into your system and create more consistent results across your entire team as opposed to just with your, you know, your high performing sales people and they do it their yes. individual way. Yeah. Yes. And particularly with salespeople. If you're trying to hire salespeople, it's often very difficult if you hire experienced people because even good ones, or especially good ones, they tend to have their own way of working, mm. which over the years, whatever it is they've found has, has been effective. The problem is that it might not reflect your own business processes, That's your right. own business standards, uh, the quality or whatever. Inbound sales, uh, for example, is is all about helping people. You, this research is, is all about finding problems that you can help with. And many salespeople are not comfortable with that. They will, they will go in hard with a script that they've, they've been taught to pitch. And if that's not the way that you are supposed to run your business, then you kind of don't want them to do that. And it's very difficult to untrain them. So we've had a lot of poor experience with experienced salespeople, if it <laughs> kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've had a lot better results by taking people on who are enthusiastic, willing to learn, but not necessarily stuck on old sales methods. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that so, makes a lot of sense. But again, you need, you need something for them to follow because otherwise they're, they're blind about what, what to do. Mm. Um, so that's kind of it. There's some more information here about inbound marketing, which is kind of what we do. On the HubSpot sales and CRM system, there's a link there where people can actually find more. Yeah, beautiful. But that's kind of it. Yeah. Well, it, you know, as I was saying in the beginning, um, simple systems, easy to follow, and they get the job done. And as you were saying as well, the, uh, the ones that are simple, they get followed. So there's no point having a complicated system no one uses. I wanted to, to yeah. touch on something to do with the, uh, you may, obviously you're using, you're using HubSpot in yes. your business, but I like what you mentioned about, you, you know, you don't have to use HubSpot necessarily. So what, right. what I've found, and not sure what, what you think about this as well, but the process needs to come first. The process has to exist and it has to be followed and it needs to be tested and working. And then, you know, before everyone rushes off and buys HubSpot after listening to this, the yes. process needs to work first. And then software and automation just helps to make that better. It helps to just reduce time spent. But the software doesn't come first because then you just end up chasing all these shiny objects, <laughs> basically. No, absolutely. You can do most business processes with very simple software systems that are either free or very, very cheap. 
you can do most of this with with Gmail and Google Docs and shared drives and everything else. The, the important thing is that it's written down, that it's documented, that it's followed, and also that you have a process for review and revision and testing. Because what happens is if, if you don't is, is that you have a system like that and there might be an error in it, there might be a fault, and a salesperson will spot the fault, work around it, have their own way of doing something, but won't go back and modify the system. Mm. So you'll have multiple people who will take this as a starting point and then they'll go off on, on different tracks. And then when you actually look back into, into what your people are doing, you'll find that one person's doing well, one person's not doing well. And you've, and if you find out why, you'll see that they're following different systems and the systems have evolved because they've taken over them because there's no central point where those systems are held are being tracked or being followed and updated. I mean, this is one of the, the advantages of David's um, system hub is that it, it's not just a place to hold systems, but it's a, a place where you can actually update them. You can give ownership. You can People can comment and feedback on the systems so that the systems themselves evolve. Yeah. A system isn't something that's set in stone. It's a, my view of it, it's, it's a best guess of, of a good way of doing something. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's as good as you can put down on paper. If you, but it, it, as soon as you start implementing it, it's like any business, you start to find problems and you also find ways to improve it. Yeah. yeah. So, so enhancements, people think, oh, well, you know, if only I put email number four in there that, that did this, this, and this, then we could improve this greatly. If they have a way of modifying the system or suggesting modifications to the system, then the whole company benefits because that knowledge becomes shared. And it's what David talks about, you know, a system of generating systems. Yeah. You have a, a way of, of updating these things and keeping them fresh because there's nothing worse than a system that's printed out, put in a book somewhere that nobody ever looks at. Yeah, um, exactly. They have to be live. And, and, and everybody has issues with that. How do you maintain these things? How do you keep them fresh? It's a problem that we have. And we're constantly revising and re- revisiting that. But a centralized repository is, is, the, first, is the first solution to that. And, and a way of modifying those systems and, and feedback and comments is, is really, really useful. Yeah, that feedback loop is so important. And, yeah. you know, even if it's just a matter of training your team to some extent that, you know, comments on systems are welcomed and improvements and suggestions, that's welcome. So, you know, work with yeah. the team and it's just the conversation that we just had then. It's just a, maybe a matter of having that as part of your, your team policy, basically, to encourage that feedback loop. One of the ways yeah. that we do that is just, just we set it as a responsibility mm-hmm. of, in this case, uh, the people who are in charge of sales, they take ownership of the systems. So these systems aren't mm. imposed on them. They're the starting point for their, bu- for their business group. And it's their role not to just run the systems, but to constantly revise and update them. Mm. So it's, the, it's in their job description that they have to maintain and improve and come back with um, refinements to those systems. And, and they're judged on that. Yeah, beautiful. That's a great way to do it. it. It really is the ownership. And what better way to have a team follow the system than for them to own it and be responsible for improving and creating it? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yep. Fantastic. Well, just a quick recap there. There's quite a few points that we covered, so I'll, I'll be brief. Obviously, systemizing the sales process, while it can be difficult and it can seem like you know, it's something like inbound is something that's very hard to systemize because of the multiple touch points and you have to be unique. There are frameworks that you can put in to help your your uh, sales process scale consistently. Yes. The multiple touch points are very, very important and leading with value is going to differentiate you from 98% of other salespeople. Your process involves the, the first email with the research process as well. So, you know, not talking about yourself and your widgets and all the shiny, amazing things that you can do, but really that you've paid attention to the, to the prospect and, and tried to discover what their pain points are in relation to what you can offer and leave the, the process of, um, of what you're going to say in the voicemail before you pick up the phone and just start rambling. And the breakup, that was a really interesting point. The breakup email that actually gener- and elicits quite a significant amount of response. I also find that that's, that's an interesting point to, to clear your sales team's calendar potentially from prospects that literally don't want to be contacted anymore. So instead Absolutely. of just filling up and following up someone who doesn't want to talk to you, let's yeah. clear up the sales team time and just put, double down on what is working and the appointments that will lead to, to deals. Yes, you, ne- you need to prioritize your sales list. I mean, I've got like 400 to-dos in my list and it's just crazy. So you need to focus on the ones who are interested in working with you. You might be able to help all of those people, but they don't necessarily want or need your help right now. Right. And that's completely okay. This is one of the big problems with sales is that people often can't cope with rejection and they take it personally. Hmm. And then they shouldn't. It's just not the right time for you and them to be working together. Stop, move on, find somebody who, who is a better fit. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. You've got about three or 400 other tasks to attend to. So I will leave you to, to get to those. The five-step process for to getting the meeting, the perfect lead nurture sequence. Really excited to, to dive into that SOP as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. You've just been listening to the System Hub podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now.